talked about who am I. This week we're going to talk about what do I believe. Next week we're going to talk about how to live it out. And then after we come back uh, after the talent, the spring out presents, we'll go into Jesus at the center. So I'm very excited that you're here this evening. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I passed out uh, some scripture that just gave uh, an, uh, a basis on our old identity versus new identity in Jesus. If you didn't get one, pass it one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. So uh, if you would like a copy of that, that's for you. You don't have to take it. Um, I believe, uh, talk to us tonight about what we believe, but I believe that when we are learning and growing in the Lord, it should be based on the Scripture. It should be based in the Word. And, uh, and so I wanted to uh, make sure that we are talking about who we are and, and deciding who who am I in the Lord. That should be based on Scripture, not what other people are saying. So, so thank you for, for handing this out. Would you put that Scripture on the uh, screen? This is the scripture that we're working from over the series. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You don't have to stand with me, but would you read it with me, please, once more? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is alive and active. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would um, that you would just be here with us, Father. We invite uh, the Holy Spirit is already here before us, Father. Lord, I just invite you to uh, take complete control over what I say, Father. And I want anything that is of me to fall to the ground, but the things that will change for eternity, Lord, that they would stick and we would walk out of here with those words in Jesus' name. Amen. Who am I? What do I believe? How do I live it out? Uh, are all important uh, essential core pieces of our life as a Christian, as a believer. Uh, last week we talked about who am I. Uh, we talked about the importance of allowing the Lord to define the, uh, define who we are as opposed to allowing the world or allowing people to define us. Last week I said to you one of the things that the Lord had given me was a phrase that was, people are people, and people are broken. Anybody know some broken people? Anybody fall into that category? Yeah, okay, so uh, we are a broken people, and uh, and with that we want to not be uh, solidifying within ourselves who we are based on broken people or broken pieces. We really want the truth of who we are from the creator of, of who made us, yes, amen? And so the world has so many ideas about who we are to be, but the Lord has the truth about who you are. The Lord has the truth about who you are, and so we want to tap into that truth. And the best place to tap into that truth is in the world. In the world, okay? It has a lot to say about who you are. Okay? I believe that this generation is redefining Christianity without using biblical principles. Or, you could say, this generation is deciding what they believe, excluding biblical principles. I'm going to say it one more time. This generation is redefining, I'm sorry, is deciding what they believe, excluding biblical principles. And I don't think that you have to look very far to see where that could be applicable. And, uh, and so it's very important that we talk about who we are. It's very important we talk about what we believe. And it's very important we talk about how we live it out in a world who's redefining what Christianity is. 
Because if we're going to be Christians, and if we're going to be believers, and we're going to really try to seek after Him and seek His face, man, we ought to know what we're talking about. And that starts with us knowing our identity in Him, right? And then beyond that, it's what do I believe? Before we even get to the part of how we live it out, and we haven't said anything about telling anybody anything yet, right? A lot of times we like to get that last base and start there as opposed to doing the homework first, right? I know I all into that trust before. I saw a quote the other day that said this. I am stuck in a generation where loyalty is a tattoo, love is just a quote, and lying is the new truth. I'm stuck in a generation where loyalty is a tattoo, love is just a quote, and lying is the new truth. And I believe that there's real merit to that statement. But it doesn't have to define how you live. It might be the world that we live, that we live around in a part of, but it doesn't have to be how you live your life. Belief is a powerful force. Would you do this for me? Would you look at somebody close by and say, belief is a powerful force? Belief is a powerful force. People give their lives to what they believe. People give their lives to what they believe. People fight for what they believe. Belief is a powerful force. I believe in God. Powerful. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Powerful. A father says to his son, I believe in you. Powerful. Belief is a powerful force. Last week, when I read the book, You Are Special by Max Lucado, the change for Punchinello in that story didn't come when he heard from Lucia, hey, this is what you got to do to not receive those marks. The change for Punchinello didn't even come when he visited Eli. The change for Punchinello came when he believed. At the end of the story, it says, and he, be- he thought he believed what Eli said and a dot off to the ground. Belief, ladies and gentlemen, is a powerful, a powerful force. What do you believe? What do you believe? Because belief is a powerful force. This morning, many of you know I'm the headmaster at Lancaster Christian Academy and we are doing interviews for employment right now for the next school year. And I had an interview this morning with a wonderful lady. She's just full of joy, has great credentials. We just had a, an, just an amazing time talking and sharing uh, just about uh, history, talking about the Lord and those types of things. And I find out in the midst of the interview that her husband of 21 years died last night. And the first question that came to my mind was, it would be the obvious, what are you doing here? Like, why? You live out in Jackson and you drove here for this. I mean, what, you know, and she said, Mr. O'Day, I know this is just probably going to sound way out there and real weird. He, she said, I adore my husband. I love my husband. I head right back there. But you have to understand that I have this joy and that that's my strength beyond all understanding. And I can stand here before you and do this interview without any worry, because I know that my husband's life was a testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was just amazed by her strength. She knew what she believed. She knew what she... 
There's power in belief. Belief is a powerful force. So I want to talk about three essential points as we go through this on what do you believe. The first one is this. You need to convince yourself that there, I'm sorry, you need to convince yourself that it is important to know what you believe. You need to convince yourself that it is important for you to know what you believe. Now, I really want you to think about that because I'm not talking about people telling you what they believe and you adopting that belief. And I'm not talking about you being a part of a larger group of a population of people that believe a certain thing and you just adopt that type of, that type of understanding, that type of belief. I'm talking about you need to convince yourself for your sake that it is important for you to know, for you, what you believe. You need to talk yourself into getting to a place where you say, I believe this, I believe this, I don't believe this, this is what I believe. One of the most tragic places to be in this world is a place that says, I have no idea what I believe. That coupled with not placing a value on knowing what you believe leaves you like a feather blowing in the wind. I think the number one argument from unbelievers about believers is that believers are hypocritical. Have you heard that before? You're Christian, you're, you're a hypocritical Christian. Meaning they preach one thing and do the opposite. Meaning they're, they're not consistent. Scripture has a word for this, and it, the word is double-mindedness. Double-minded, being double-minded. James says a double-minded man is just stable in all his ways. Are you kidding me? No. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if a generation continues to move forward with defining Christianity without using biblical principles, then the leaders who are going to be in the pulpit are going to be on shaky ground because they're going to be leading in such a way that's going to be a double-minded standard. And it's going to be shaky and we're going to be following them and it just breeds on from there. If you are living a double-minded life, meaning you are easily swayed one way or believe this one day and believe something the next, it's quite possible that you have not placed value on the importance of knowing what you believe. Atheists don't believe in God. Well, I don't believe in atheists. I don't think God creates them. But atheists believe in something. And they know they don't believe in God. They believe there is no God. That's a belief, right? So you can have an atheist walking in full confidence in their non-belief and you have a Christian who's walking on real shaky ground because they don't know what they believe. Are you with me? Revelations 3, chapter 14 through 17, the angel is speaking to the church in Laodicea, says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The Lord does not desire lukewarm believers. Joshua, when he was leading the army, he said, choose this day who you're going to serve. Look, if, it's, if you think that this is not a worthwhile cause, you're not in it 100%, look, get out of here. May the Lord, may the Lord have mercy on you. But choose this day who you're going to serve because we've got some things to do. What do you believe? 
Belief is a powerful force. It's important to know what you believe. Rick Warren said this quote, The Constitution is man-made, so it's not perfect. It's not the basis of my beliefs. My belief system is based on the scriptures which come from God. Now, you might not agree with that statement, but I can tell you that Rick Warren knows what he believes. And so his life is ordered in such a way to reflect what he believes. Right? There are people in my life who believe certain things and I don't agree with them. But I can tell you, they, I know they know, they know what they believe, right? I need two volunteers quickly. Three. No, two. Two volunteers. Sue, come on, Sue. This was you last week. Come on. You're the best. Okay. Which side did you hold last week? That side. Okay, come back over to the side because you know what to do. I want to explain it. Come on over on the side. Okay. This is some yarn. There are two different colors in the yarn. Okay. So just to recap, this was your former life, okay? The yellow string is your life. The blue string represents sin. So before you met Christ, this was your life. You were entangled and you were bound to your sin, right? Couldn't break free from it. You were enslaved to it. But then there came a point in your life when you said, Jesus Christ, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe in you. And he said, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to renovate your space. I'm going to renovate your life. I'm going to take, we're going out with the old and coming in with the new, right? And so all of a sudden now you live in a world that has sin in it, but you are no longer bound to the sin, right? Okay, you're no longer enslaved to the sin. Well, here's the issue. This point is a very important part in time because this is the power of how we live free in our life, okay? This is the freedom that we have uh, in our life. We are free and not slaved to our sin, but what happens when we get on this side of salvation and we're living our life here, what happens is if we don't understand what we believe about what we were entangled in before, then confusion sits in and we start to look like this. And we start to, now, no, we're not bound to this anymore, right? We're slave, we're not slaves to this anymore. But because we haven't understood what this was and what we believe about it, Though we, though we, though we have been set free, we still dabble in it. We still say, I don't understand why that's not right or why I shouldn't be doing this. And guess what? The reason that we got out of this is because there wasn't life in this sin. Right? And so we want to, when we came to the point of salvation, we were offered the opportunity to live in the kingdom starting here. Kingdom living started here. But if we continue to move forward and we continue to not have any type of idea of what we believe, we can't coexist and try to live a kingdom life while we're dabbling in sin and not understanding what it is that we believe and we get confused. And here's the dangerous thing. If our commission on the other side of salvation is to share the gospel and point people to Christ, it's very hard to do when the former looks like the new. And the former... It's going to look like the new if you don't know what you believe. Thank you so much. Last week I read a scripture from Timothy that said, but mark this, there will be terrible day at times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. We are supposed to be Christians in the world, not of the world. But somehow we have changed it so that as I, as a Christian, can be in the world and of the world. So what we have decided is that I want the benefits of, I want the benefits of the kingdom without the commitment to follow Christ. I want the benefits of the kingdom without the commitment of following Christ. And in that type of scenario, it doesn't become about him, it becomes about us. Because I want the benefits of both places. And what we perceive as benefits in the world aren't truly benefits. They lead to death. But we get confused because we don't know what we believe. Are you understanding? And we don't know what we believe because we don't know who we are. Do you see the pattern here? Know who you are. What do we believe? Okay? If you don't place importance on knowing what you believe, then it's far more likely for you to be complacent and content with the world and the direction in which it's going. Everything's just fine. I think there are Christians out there that have, are just completely oblivious to just things around them because everything is okay, everything is permissible, everything is fine. As long as we love one another, God is love. God is love. I love you. Let's love one another. Let's sing a song together. Let's have spaghetti together. Let's smile. I just think it's just so good. Doesn't it feel good in here? And then let's go home and have our barbecue and live our life. There's more to it than that. I hope there's more to it than that. Kingdom living should be rich. It should be fun. We, I strive, we, we are just working our tails off at our school because I want to present, I want to present a Christ who is a riot to be around and be a part of and be involved with. I don't want to present something that says, well, you know, the world is real attractive out there and what we have to offer isn't really as good. You know, and that's what I mean. I want my I want to I want to believe that. That's what I mean. I, I want to get behind man. I want to get behind a God that the world's looking at and saying, you've got something that I want. Let me come to your side. Right. First, John 1 15 uh, says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So if we're living in that double-minded place where we're just saying, I want, uh, you know, I want the uh, benefits of the kingdom without the commitment to following Jesus. Well, Scripture tells me that the love of the Father is not in your heart. It's just a dangerous place to be. Convince yourself that it's important to know what you believe. Once you have convinced yourself that it's important to know what you believe, you better quickly have an avenue to get there. Because the minute you open that door, the world is there to tell you everything that you need to believe. So point number two is dig into Scripture to figure out what you believe. Once you have convinced yourself that it's important I've convinced myself it's important. I need to know. I need to solidify what, what do I believe. The next step is where are you going to go to find it? 
needs to be right here. All the time, 100% of the time, this is the source. This is the standard. This is not a suggestion. This isn't like over on the shelf. This isn't to be paired up with. So this is the infallible word of God. And this is where we find, right here, this is where we find the truth about what we believe. There are tons of books that have been written. The world has tons to offer you that could really give you a skewed mindset of this, right? Uh, could give you a skewed mindset of, of how we live. All these things and those the, the confusion sets and all these. This is the unfallible, infallible word of, word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. In the message translation in Psalms chapter 33, verse 4, God's word is solid to the core. Everything he makes is sound inside and out. He loves it when everything fits. When his world is in plumb line true, earth is drenched in God's affectionate satisfaction. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, as a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You know, there are lots of reasons why we come to church. But the main reasons are or should be we come to fellowship, we come to enthrone the Lord on our praise, we gather to take communion, remembering what Jesus did, and we come to hear and grow in the word. Would you agree with that? Some some points there for us to be here at church. I think that personally, I think some of the best preaching comes from this pulpit. But if your entire belief system is confined to only what you have heard here, then the chances are that you have no idea what you believe at all. This is a jar of candy. And uh, I, my wife showed me this earlier today, and I couldn't believe that she was able to shove 100 pieces of candy in here. There's 100 pieces of candy in here. And it reminds me of a story. Uh, this, these 100 pieces of candy remind me of a story of uh, my youngest daughter. Now, I, don't, I know that there, if you have kids, uh, sometimes your, your kids, you know, if you have multiple kids, one, you know, Hadassah, there are traits in her that remind her of her mommy, and there are traits in her that remind us of her daddy, or come from her daddy, and then for Lucia, traits from mom, traits from dad, you know, those types of things. Well, I'm a, I'm a chocolate, sugar, bad candy type of guy. Uh, you know, there's this organic food movement happening. I don't know if you guys have heard of that and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is like a, an 80% committed, you know. I'm the other 20%. And, uh, and Adasa, she likes strawberries and fruit. I can't get her to put cake in her mouth if it, I, I can't do anything. Lucia, on the other hand, found a box of Hershey's Kisses. And I walk into her room and she's sitting in the corner facing the wall. And I look at her and I say, Lucia, and she looks right here with chickmunk cheeks and she turns around and she starts doing this. And I don't know what's going on. She has stuffed the, she has stuffed the Hershey Kisses in her mouth with the foil. In her mouth, like this. And just threw a fit when I was trying to get them out. She's a chocolate connoisseur. Now that story, that story really didn't relate to anything except for the fact that I told you that there were a hundred pieces of candy in this jar. How many talked to my wife before this service? Anybody talked to my wife about this? How many pieces of candy are in here? There are 200 pieces of candy in this jar. Now, there would be a group of people who left this ministry center tonight 
thinking there's 100 pieces of candy in this jar because I told you there's 100 pieces of candy in this jar. And there's a group of you who my wife talked to who was the source and the supplier of the candy that said there's 200 pieces of candy. Now there's about 190 pieces of candy in this jar. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Now follow me here. One group leaves with what they perceive as truth. The other group leaves with confusion. The group that leaves with confusion has consulted the source. And so I told you the truth. There are a hundred pieces of candy in here. But it wasn't the accurate truth. There are people who are presenting messages to you all the time that have partial truth to them. And unless you are consulting the source of the truth, then you don't know how to determine whether or not what's being told to you is accurate or not. And so some of us will base our life off of the partial truth rather than the full truth of God. Are you with me? What you believe will change week to week, moment to moment, if you have not got a standard to consult. Our standard is the Word of God. It is imperative that we have a healthy relationship with the Word. When you have a relationship with the Word, then we can easily identify whoever's talking to you, whether they're just blowing off air or they're telling you substantial truth that can build you, uh, to help you in your life and to help advance the kingdom. Our standard is not the preacher. Our standard is not the TV evangelist. Our standard does not cost $19.99 with free shipping. Our standard is the infallible Word of God. And not just some of the Word, all of the Word. When you dig into the Word to develop what you believe, you have to look at the full picture. There have been people in my life that have been severely wounded and injured because people take part of the Word of God and they make that the basis on everything they tell. I've had people that have been turned off from the Lord because people have taken portions of Scripture that they believe to, uh, or that they know, the only thing that they know, and they live their entire life on that, and then they, they subject other people to the way they're living based on a partial faith and not the whole picture. We're going to talk about this more next week, but in the book of Ephesians, we're given a list of armor, and the only offensive piece of armor that we've been given is the Word of God. It's related to a sword, and what is unfortunate is there's so many Christians out there swinging swords around, cutting off ears, chopping off feet, and everything, because they don't know how to handle it, because they don't know what the Word says. So you have to understand that so many, and I believe me, I'm real prone to this, and we are prone to this because we want so much to tell other people what they need to do and how they need to, how they need to live their life and what they should believe. But man, until I get behind understanding who am I in the Lord, what do I believe, and what does this word tell me about living it out, I don't really have a platform or really the, uh, I don't have really the stage to even say anything to anybody else because I've got to get these things under control and in line with the thinking of the Lord. So, with regard to church, you need to be in a thriving church that lines up with Scripture, that lines up with what you believe. So my question is to you, do you know what Spring House Worship Center believes? It's a rhetorical question. But do you? Have you ever, have some of you, if you're here on a Wednesday night, chances are you're pretty faithful and you've been here for a while. Do you know what this church believes? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all walked out of here knowing what our church believed 
And if it lined up with what we feel like scripture says, well, guess what? I'm going to provide you for that to, with that tonight. This is what we believe as a church. Now, you don't have to go far to get this. Would you pass this out for me? You don't have to go far to get this. The source for this is www.springhousesmyrna.com. And I just copied it right off and pasted it onto that paper. So I didn't have to do a lot of work to find out what it is. But there's scriptural background backing to everything that's on there. But I think it's a pretty important piece of the puzzle. You know, if you don't believe Jesus Christ is the son of God and you're attending this church, you know, you might not really agree and fit into really the large picture of what we're trying to do here. Right. Does that make sense? You want to be around people that believe similar, uh, similar things. And it's important that you know what the church believes. So there's there's for you a resource so you can know what our church believes. So you need to convince yourself that it's important to know. You need to convince yourself that it's important to know what you believe. Secondly, define where you what you believe based on Scripture. Okay, on Scripture. And lastly, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to solidify what we believe over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and over again and over again and again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Why? Why does it take more than one time for the Holy Spirit to solidify in our lives and our hearts? Well, because we are so prone to our former ways. Even on the other side of salvation, we are living in a world with sin. We are living in a world with temptation. We are living in a world of confusion. We are living in a world where personalities and, and politics and, and, and charismatic people are throwing things at you. are living in a world where preachers are saying things with partial truths. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to get into our life on a daily basis and solidify once again. Why do I believe this, Lord? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for sure. Why, why do, what do I believe in this issue? Thank you, Lord, for helping me in that scripture to know. And that when, when scripture says that, that the word of God is alive and active, Beth Moore once said that the Bible is like fire and the Holy Spirit is like kerosene. And when you put the Holy Spirit and the Bible together, explosive things happen. Explosive things should be happening in your life all the time. Right? So as we have the Holy Spirit within us to give us the power, what's the job of the Holy Spirit? The job of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to point people to Jesus. We need that power, right? We need to tap into that power. Well, what are you going to say when you walk up to somebody that you're supposed to, what, when the Holy Spirit prompts you? Where does the power come from? What is? What are you grounded on to say? Well, if you don't have any knowledge of this, Right? If you don't have any knowledge of what this says. And so what we go, and I mean, I dare to say this, and I'll probably get in trouble. But what we do is we go, we say, okay, I think I got the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to lay hands on you and knock you out. And I'm going to say that's from the Lord, and it's not from the Lord at all. Because the Holy Spirit's not not involved in that situation because it doesn't line up with what this says. The Holy Spirit doesn't work freelance over here and does and, and not be a part of this. Any work of the Holy Spirit is going to line up with this truth. Does that make sense? Okay, don't get mad at me. When we don't know what we believe, then we stand on shaky ground. This is dangerous because without firm foundations, we end up doing three things. We will see, we will justify, and we will share. We will see, we will justify, we will share. 
We will see something we want to do. We will justify it in our mind and we will share it so that we're not in it alone. Some of the largest movements, hear me clearly. Some of the largest movements happening today are because people saw something they wanted to do. They justified it in their mind and they united together so they weren't alone. The verse that says that a cord of three is not easily broken isn't just for spiritual things. Anytime people rally together, there's momentum and strength. The question is, who are you rallying behind and why? What do you believe? Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some of her some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. She saw it, she justified it in her mind, and she shared it. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what the good and accept, what which is good and acceptable and perfect. And for me, I could insert there, but be transformed by the daily renewal of your mind. The daily renewal of Kevin's mind. Because remember when I used the word renovation, he didn't come into my life and replace it. It's not a, for me, it's not like, you know, there's a clone of Kevin right here. It's the same Kevin. I was a part of that past life, right? But he came in and he renovated me. He took the old out. He said, you're no longer bound to this. I'm putting new stuff in. Okay? You don't forget. You don't have holy amnesia. You still, this, That's part of your life there. And you're going to tap into that testimony. And next week, we're going to talk about how the power of our testimony is used. Uh, but that's part, that's, part of, that's part of your life. Okay? So the daily renewing of my mind has got to be a present in my life because I've got this history that's right here. And I'm not bound to it anymore. And I don't want to be bound to it in, again. And I won't be because I've got Jesus Christ in my life. But boy... Sometimes I like to stick my toe in that water. Anybody else? Well, I miss how that felt. I miss that fill in the blank. Because we live in a world of sin. I'm confused about that point. I think it's easier sometimes to walk around dumb and confused than it is to figure out what's going on. When I was in fourth grade... I lived by a, a, one of my, my friend at the time. Uh, his name was Brian, and we were next door neighbors. and uh, And I was just gun ho and sold on to the Lord. Um, now I went to a real conservative um, Southern Baptist church and rode a bus to the church, and um, and there it was very much about get saved. Everybody else is going to hell. Get them saved too. Go get them saved. Go get them saved. Go get them saved. Go get them saved. I didn't really know much about a relationship with the Lord. But what I did know is that I believed in Jesus Christ. I knew that I believed in Jesus Christ. And I knew enough to say, I believe that this God, he loves me. Right? And because I'd been so drilled in that, in that, in that mindset, and I, and I believed so much that Jesus loved me, I really want my friend Brian to love Jesus too. But he didn't really want anything to do with Jesus. He didn't want to ride the bus with me. He didn't want to go to church with me. He didn't want anything to do with it. He, you know, we would go burn fires on top of sewers and stuff like that. But he never wanted to go to ride the bus with me. And so 
one day he wanted to go fishing with his dad. And he was mad he could not go fishing because it was raining. And I made, at the time I thought the, a mistake, at the time, it wasn't a mistake, but I said to Brian, I said, Brian, why don't we pray and ask the Jesus to stop the rain? And after a mouthful of explicitives, yes, in fourth grade, I thought, well, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> but because of his response, and he was so angry, something fueled me because I knew that if I, I felt, and maybe it was childlike faith, I've never had, I think I've maybe had three experiences that are similar to this in my entire life. But I thought, you know, if I go grab my King James Bible and I come outside and I hold it up to the air and I scream in the middle of the rain, Jesus, will you please make it stop raining, that he would do it. I was crazy enough to believe that that would really happen. And so Brian is just upset, just stomping around, throwing a temper tantrum or what he probably deserved not to go fishing in the first place. You know, now that I'm a parent, I think, huh. But... But I just, I wanted my friend to, I wanted my friend to believe, but I believe, so I was so mad because he got, he yelled at me for saying I wanted to pray. So I grabbed my Bible and I go outside and I start screaming in the sopping rain, Jesus, would you please move these clouds? And I promise you within a matter of seconds, the rain stopped, the clouds part, it was a beautiful day. And I ran into Brian's house and I grabbed Brian and I told him it was, and I told him I prayed or whatnot. And he did not care one bit what I was saying. He jumped up and down, grabbed his tackle box. He was going to call his dad. He was going to go fishing. Now, that was an Ebenezer in my life. That was a place of remembrance. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but that was a big, that was a significant deal. Well, it had been 25 years and I get on Facebook just a little while ago. Now, I don't know if... That played a role in his life for him coming. But 25 years later, I'm looking on the computer. He's a Christian. He believes, he believes in Jesus Christ. Now, again, I don't know if he remembers that story. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? But in that moment, I believed. There was nobody could tell me different. I believed in that moment that God could do that. And he did it. I believed it. Do you know what you believe? Lord, remind me why I believe this. Show me why I don't believe that every single day. There is a blessing in store for those who believe. In John 20, 29, Jesus is talking to Thomas. Everyone else says, hey, he's returned, he's back. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it until I put my hands in his side and in his hands. Jesus allows them in talking to Thomas, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. And I believe, I believe there was a blessing in that, but this is what Jesus says where the greater blessing is. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Allow the Holy Spirit to solidify what you believe over and over and over and over again every single day. Before you go out into this dark world, Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me. Give me the strength that I need today. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart, to my life, through your scripture. Remind me why I believe that. Remind me whenever I'm in the, when I'm in a conversation about certain issues that are going on in the world today. Help me pull up scriptures that you've shown me so that I can talk about it and I can stand. Or, or maybe it's not the time for me to talk. Maybe you want me to be silent. Holy Spirit, will you speak to me and tell me shut your mouth when I'm supposed to shut my mouth? 
Uh, Holy Spirit, will you tra- tell me that I need to look further and deeper in the scripture about this particular issue instead of me running off and trying to do it and swinging swords and chopping heads off? Are you with me on all that? Get the Holy Spirit involved in your life so that you truly can have the power to point people to Jesus Christ. Amen? Belief, belief, belief is a powerful, powerful force. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for telling us who we are. And I thank you for providing for us a standard by which we should live our lives and providing a standard by which we should decide what we believe. I pray for strength for the people in this room. I pray for the courage it takes to stand up and say, I do believe that the Red Sea parted. I do believe that a fish swallowed up a man. I do believe that this Jesus hung on a cross and gave his life. And I do believe one day the sky is going to split and he's going to come back. Give us the faith and the courage in the midst of a world that wants to put all of that to rest and live every way they want to live. Give us the strength and courage to believe what your word says. And as you do that, God, I ask that you would encourage us that we might keep fighting the fight and running the race because we know that we have the victory at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.